What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pop Culture Experience. I am Dr. Applesauce, joined as always by my co-host, Mike, from Wide World of Gamers. We have a very interesting episode for you guys today. You guys know that we like to talk to you about all kinds of pop culture topics. Well, something that there's been a lot of buzz lately and a lot of really, really interesting things happening is in the world of Pokemon. That's right, Pocket Monsters, whatever you want to call it, Pokemon, Pokemon, however you're supposed to pronounce it. There are some really amazing things going on in the Pokemon world, as well as the Pokemon trading card game, not to mention the new sets that are coming out. But we have some very interesting stuff that we want to talk about, and it's going to be a blast. And there's some stuff that we might say and some opinions that we might have that uh, you guys might not agree with. Yeah, this is a this is a very very interesting topic, and it kind of came out of almost came out of nowhere. But I think he learned from his last uh, opening how to I really capitalize on it, and it makes sense from an economic model when you look at scarcity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it kind kind of came out of nowhere, and then you've seen a lot of people interacting and doing stuff with not only Pokemon but people around Pokemon. So like uh, you remember you had mentioned about Leon Hart had tweeted something about from Mr. Beast and yeah you know I'm sure that you're going to see a lot of big names get involved in this break trying to buy the packs and and we never saw anything happen as of yet with the Mr. Beast tweet that he made and Leon Hart shared or something like that but if you guys aren't in the know on Pokemon the he that Mike is talking about is Logan Paul so the huge hullabaloo that happened what was it Mike in September? September was it Sept- I think it was September oh God, yeah September of 2020 um Logan Paul who is a massively popular whether you like him or you don't he's a massively popular massively successful YouTuber social media influencer uh, the young man has made millions of dollars for himself and he is a really really diehard Pokemon fan so in September of 2020 he shocked the world by purchasing a first edition base set booster box sealed of Pokemon cards for $200,000 I believe it was and this was a huge thing because at the time I believe some of the highest sold first edition base set booster boxes had been sold for about $80,000 and if you don't know exactly what all that means if you're not a huge Pokemon fan basically these boxes were the first ever English boxes ever made and there was only a very short run of them so the population of them being sealed in the world today is very very low so Logan Paul did that in September and he did a live break you know sold the packs live opened the packs live 11 million people watched his live stream of this and then over the next several months the pokemon world went crazy prices skyrocketed you have first edition pokemon cards selling for for amounts of money that you could literally buy houses for and you just saw this massive demand and with this massive demand came a lot of people into the hobby who didn't care about collecting and just wanted to make money off of it. So he did that in September, not trying to focus too much on what he already did. But now what he's done is just a few days ago, I think it was sometime last week, he put out a video on his YouTube channel, Out of the Blue. And long story short, he has gone and purchased six of these boxes. 
and spent $2 million this time because since what he did raised the prices around $200,000 per box, and then, you know, we have six months of everything happening in between. Now the average value of these first edition base set booster boxes is anywhere from $350,000 to $400,000 for a sealed one. So he spent $2 million bought six of these first edition base set booster boxes and is going to sell all of them and do the same thing again, but six more times. And then now we're left wondering with all the craziness that happened in September, now what's going to happen? Yeah, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, we, we've seen prices kind of come back down and kind of cool off since then, especially with the non-first edition stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've definitely kind of come back and they're still high, but back a little bit closer to earth. Um, but, you know, breaking these boxes, it's, it, I'm so curious to see what's pulled because I don't, I don't think you're guaranteed a Charizard in every box. So you're not guaranteed. No, but it's highly possible. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing, how many of those sealed boxes that are real are still out there? And if, if six of them are broke by him, how many Charizards do you get? And of those, how many Charizards are nines, tens, nine fives? You right. know, so what's going to happen with the price point on that particular card once you break open those six boxes? And then the boxes that are left after you break these six, what are they going to go to? Mm -hmm. now, I mean, well, I, in his video, he made a claim. He, he made a claim that he wanted to buy every single sealed box that was left in existence, which I think is an interesting and bold claim because I know I follow a couple people on Instagram and, you know, social media and stuff that own these boxes mm -hmm. that claim they would never, ever sell it. Yeah. I think that that's going to definitely be, and honestly, people are finding stuff all the time. You never know when somebody, you know, they go into the attic of a house of an old collector and they find a box or two, or, I mean, just the other day in Yu-Gi-Oh, um, one of the, uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh guys, Ruxin, they found a guy who just randomly happened to have a full case of first edition legend of blue eyes. Wow. And you know, that was, I mean, super old, super rare, but he randomly had it, you know, and they were all legit. So, you know, there are those possibilities of things showing up or, you know, impacting the market by just having people have product out there we don't know about because not everybody uses social media and not everybody tries to flex their pokemon muscles uh, as much right. as uh, a lot of the others but you know I, I know of some private collections particularly here in houston that would definitely have some things that they would want including some sealed boxes including some of those you know just crazy crazy rare cards um but those people are not uh you know they're very introverted mm -hmm. um so, you know, growing up, they used Pokemon as like, I guess, their place to network, but they're also the type of person who they, they're not all about the, you know, the, the, the flex life where they want to drive a nice car, show everything off. They're just very normal, humble people and they have this insane collection. So yeah. I think the, the collection is more important to them. It being valuable is just, you know, bonus. It just happens. Um, yeah. I don't, it's going to well, be that's the. That's the big debate with Logan Paul too, is like, and nobody really knows the answer to this question except for the people that know him personally. But like, is he just, you know, being a big flex God and trying to, you know, be pompous and everything? Or or does he just genuinely love Pokemon cards and he's worked hard and built this empire? And why would he not capitalize on the opportunity to use what he's built to share uh, and at the same time profit? You know, like that's the big question that 
everybody speculates on and nobody really has a true answer to. You have the people that say he's just trying to manipulate the market for himself, which I suppose is possible. And then you have the people that where I kind of lean towards that just kind of think, I think he just loves Pokemon and he's, you know, moderately famous and shares what he loves and then boom things happen because i i've seen that happen even with, even with my small level of influence i have i don't know maybe collectively 20 or thirty thousand people that follow me and if i start to collect something and start showing it to people inevitably within a few weeks or a few months i see people in my facebook group and people on instagram saying that they're now collecting this stuff as well um and it's just a nature it's just a natural byproduct of of having influence over anybody, whether it's, you know, the three people in your household or 30 million people on YouTube. Yeah. I, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I don't think that's a, an easy question to answer, but I think when, when you get that level of influence, you know, nobody really understands it, but when, when there's something that you like, or you're passionate about by if you understand by buying it, it's going to make it more valuable, but I'm also going to get joy out of it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. kind of win-win. I mean, it, it it's like saying, oh, well, you're so famous that you shouldn't buy anything that you like because if it affects the pricing, it's not right. But and, and that's not right to say that. Yeah. You, you can't you can't tell somebody that they can't enjoy something because they're they're so famous. It's their choice if maybe they don't want to share it with anybody. But if you if you truly love something, you share it with people, right? Right. And and I think that it's it's even if it does affect pricing, it's, it's harmless. Um, you know, it's not, it's not putting people out of jobs. It's not shutting down an industry. It's not doing anything like that. You know, it's making things more expensive and harder to attain, but at the same time, it's putting money into the pocket of a lot of the store owners who maybe made big investments or were smart and held mm -hmm. stuff, you know, and most of those people are smaller stores, you know, that maybe have held onto these collections. So now they are, have this abundance of cash flow and ability to liquidate stuff and maybe they're getting a little cloud out of it like collectors catch i mean I, I know that they've been around but you know to be on logan paul's youtube channel i mean that's a big deal for them i'm sure that they got oh yeah from just that you know little yeah. interaction collectors um, cash being on his youtube video i'm sure was, yeah. was huge for them and i've bought from collectors cash before mm -hmm. and they were incredibly helpful and i would not hesitate to buy you know to buy from them again um guys if y'all are listening make sure real quick before we get any further make sure that you rate the podcast please guys give it five stars if you enjoy what we're doing wherever you're listening if you're listening on itunes or spotify or soundcloud wherever you're listening make sure to rate us it really does help the podcast to get pushed recommended to other people and feel free to share the podcast with others uh if you enjoy it um to your point mike you said you know it's not really it's not hurting in the industry or it's not hurting anybody i agree with that but we have seen a very negative side effect of what happened i remember being able to go into any walmart or target or anywhere and there's just pokemon cards everywhere and you just kind of are able to buy what you want to buy uh, and then as things go out of print you can't find them anymore but it seemed like almost instantaneously after logan paul did his first edition base set booster box break um stores were dwindling down on their pokemon inventory and then to the point now where essentially Walmarts and Targets and most stores almost have no inventory. They can't keep any inventory. And, and I don't think it's all on Logan Paul, but I think what happened is we saw an influx of people that, oh my gosh, I remember this as a kid. I want to collect it again. That's awesome. And then we also saw an influx of, oh crap, here's a way to make a quick buck. 
Um, and that, you know, that is what it is. Uh, and then I think you put all that together combined with COVID and then Pokemon wasn't able to print cards for several months. And then now all of a sudden they have a higher demand for the product than they've ever had. They're trying to catch up because they weren't able to print for a while. And then that keeps going for several months. And then now we are where we are right now. And there's literally nothing on, on shelves. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we, we can put all of that on Logan Paul like some people want to. His his opening and purchasing of the first uh, the, of his first first edition base set booster box definitely played a factor. Um, but it's it's interesting to see how it's so hard to find Pokemon cards right now. It's so hard to find anything. Used to you'd be able to go into a store and maybe there's none of the new set because they've all been purchased by people who either want to open it or people who want to sell it. But now there's literally nothing. Empty shelves, even the sets that would sit there forever and ever that nobody wanted them, they're just gone because people just want to find something that they can open. Yeah, and they're buying everything. I mean, I, I think that that is definitely a kind of a negative, especially for like the kids who play. But you know, a lot of those kids, they, they play because they want to go interact with their friends. It's not a necessarily right. to collect and grow financial value. But I mean, the one good thing is, is that those kids have the ability to play online. So, you know, they still that is true that, but um, you know, that face-to-face -face interaction, the lack of accessibility, and then the increase of demand and uh, value, I think definitely put different eyes on it. But once again, it goes back to that you know what is the, is there a net positive net negative um in my opinion i think that it's a net positive any way you look at it that the, the negative is that part for sure but from a positive perspective you have people who are entertaining themselves and entertaining you know audiences you have collectors um you know who are seeing you know value come up maybe it happened at a time when they needed the money so maybe it's helping them out in that situation because of COVID and, you know, who knows what the situation was, but um, you also have investors who are turning collectibles into assets. And I right. think that that's incredibly important because it validates this particular, these particular things like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Funko, Magic, you know, all of those types of collectibles, uh, sports cards, you know, people look at them as investment mechanisms now, which can be very cool. Um, you know, I mean, I just think that it's 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 pretty dynamic. And I think that there are a lot of haters out there and a lot of those haters are the people who weren't a part of it. You know, they missed the train. They maybe didn't get to buy this, but if they're a part of it, then they're like, oh, okay, well, it's kind of cool, you know? Mm -hmm. so well, I think, I think it's, it's interesting. I think your point of the fact that it's brought in investors, uh, I think there's two different types. Uh, and, and I think this is something that gets lost on a lot of people. Uh, and I think it's something that a lot of people who want to call themselves investors don't really understand that that's not what they are. In my mind, an investor is, and if you're investing in Pokemon, it's something that I know you do, something that I know I've done. And that's somebody that buys Pokemon keeps it sealed for a long time. Somebody that I'm going to spend, you know, if I 
spent, you know, I have three extra vivid voltage booster boxes because I pre-ordered enough to have extras. Okay. And I paid $90 each for them. Now they're selling for $250, but I bought them because I had the extra money and I'm going to keep those vivid voltage booster boxes for years and years and years and years. And then maybe if they're worth five, 600, 700, a thousand dollars one day, maybe I'll sell it or maybe I'll open it because the nostalgia of not being able to open something that's so expensive and so long will be very fun. I think that's a true investor, somebody that wants to buy some extra product and sit on it, you know, and save it for a long, long time. Uh, the other end of the field that I don't agree with, and I think is the only, the only negative aspect of this is the influx, the massive influx of people into Pokemon who don't care about it at all that are going into a Walmart, clearing the shelf of every single elite trainer box of a new set, spending 50 bucks for it, and then turning around and selling it for 80 or 100. And that, that's, that's wrong on so many levels. The first reason it's wrong is, okay, you're, if, you're, if you do this and you're listening, I apologize, uh, not any uh, disrespect to you, but if that's what you do, you're foolish and you have a very short term mindset. You're trying to make a quick 50 bucks when you could hang on to that potentially for three or four years, and it might be worth four or $500. So you doing that, trying to make your quick 50 bucks is making it harder for a collector to be able to get their hands on something they want to right now to enjoy, right? Um, the other side of the coin is when people are going out and doing that and clearing shelves from the big box stores for almost no risk, it makes it very difficult for the hobby shops, for the card shops, for the game stores to be able to sell at MSRP because they're seeing all these, you know, flippers or quote unquote investors going out, spending 50 bucks, immediately turning around and selling it out of stock for $100. And they're making, you know, 100% profit uh, for no real investment. But what is their incentive to keep their product on the shelf at MSRP? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they have a lot more invested than that flipper. These hobby store owners, they have a store, they have overhead, they have potentially insurance, they have inventory, they have employees to pay. They have all these things they have to pay for just to be outsold by somebody that's just going and clearing shelves and running around in their car all day. And I'm not saying that's, you know, I'm not saying that that's a bad way to, to make some extra money or whatever. I'm not saying that anybody does that is bad. I'm just highlighting some of the, some of the negative side effects that have happened. Uh, and then an interesting thing to that, and then I'll, I'll kind of get your opinion of it is it, it's almost like, it's almost like the Pokemon collecting community was in this bubble for the past 18 or 20 years. And then right after this, hardcore flippers said, oh my gosh, there's money to be made. And now you see all these collectors all over social media, essentially grownups crying like children because they can't find what they want. And I get it, I get it. It's if you've been collecting this for 10 years and you've never had an issue collecting it, and now all of a sudden you can't find anything. It really sucks. I truly get it. I'm not saying that you're stupid for being upset about it, but it's almost like welcome to collecting in any other type of hobby. Like this is rampant everywhere. And it's almost like Pokemon collectors have been in a bubble for so long. And then this finally happened. And now they're, they really have <laughs> are getting an understanding of what it's like to collect pretty much anything else. Yeah. 
No, I agree with you. I mean, um, one thing is I think a lot of the flippers, they were a lot of the guys who were already flipping sports cards. Correct. So this has gone on with sports cards for forever. Um, you know, so now they're, while they're waiting in line, they're just scooping everything up. The but, same um, vendor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that, that's where I think it's kind of stemming from, but, um, I do think that COVID played a big role because I think a lot of people maybe were out of work or people were, you know, in situations where they had to try to make a buck. So at that point in time, they would probably do anything to try and make some money. So if that's an easy risk-free way to do it, I'm sure that that played a big role in people having flexibility to go out there and wait in line in the mornings. And it was almost like the perfect storm. All of this happened at the, you don't want to say perfect because it was a bad time in the world, but it happened at just the point in time where there's a lot of people with extra time on their hands and a lot of desire to go out and, okay, I need to make, if I can make this extra $200 a week, that keeps my lights on, that keeps food in my kid's belly. So Mm -hmm. that's what I say. It's it's hard to say it's bad or it's good because everybody that's doing this, they're they're people, you know, you don't know if they're doing this and this is how their kids have been fed for the past six months because they lost their job due to COVID and, you know, maybe somebody they love died. You you don't know, Mm -hmm. like you're saying. But one thing that bothers me is I know that, and I heard this from multiple sources and, you know, I I know quite a few people in, in the retail side. But they would harass a lot of the yes the vendors, and then also like kids who would be there. They try to shove them out of the way, and I know that that that's a big deal with Walmart right now. Walmart's actually removing sports cards from their shelves, so they're not going to carry it anymore because mm-hmm. all these people are waiting in line, harassing all of the employees. And in a one or two WalMarts, I know that there was a situation where kids were like one kid was like pushed to the ground, and then there was another Walmart where something else happened with a kid. So Walmart's just like, okay, cool. Y'all, y'all want to act like animals? Here you go. Boom. We're just going to stop carrying it. So a lot of Walmart's already phasing it out. And I haven't heard that story, man. I've heard stories similar to that, but if I'm waiting in line for Pokemon cards and I see somebody push a kid down, uh, I'm not. Yeah, Pokemon cards are going to be the last thing on my mind at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 I think that that is just the case. It's just people are taking it way too far and they're being incredibly greedy with stuff like that. They, they feel like they're entitled to it uh, because maybe they've been doing it for a while. So now they have this entitlement. Okay, well, I've been doing it for this long. This is like my ter- my turf, like it's a gang or something. Yeah. Like, people need to chill out. Well, like, and that's even caused, I've had conversations with people on social media. That's even caused some collectors to have that mindset. Like, no, screw you. I'm getting mine because everybody else wants to try and clear shelves. I don't care who I have to step on. I'm getting mine so I can open mine. That's not okay either. Like we need to yeah. be a community. Like it's, it's one thing to want to be able to get what you want, maybe get a little something extra to hold on to or something like that. But to have that attitude is not okay. You need to really, if you have that attitude, you need to have really take a cold, hard look at why you're collecting. Yeah. Uh, I think an easy solution is what one of the Walmarts in my area did. They put the Pokemon cards and the sports cards, you know, how every Walmart or every target, they have the one aisle or the one customer service area where all of like the tobacco products are sold oh, behind yeah. the counter. So the Walmart in my area, they just put them back there. So Ooh. not only can you not, you can't just walk up to it and get it. You have to wait in line to get to that register where everybody's waiting in line for their cigarettes. But when the vendor comes to stock, the vendor can also push their little cart behind there and nobody can bother them. Oh, that's nice. 
That's seems smart. like a simple solution to me. But I yeah. like you. I've heard sto- I've heard lots of bad stories about vendors being swarmed, vendors being like circled and intimidated, just like all kinds of gross stuff. Like that's just not it's not okay. You know, these are cards. These are collectibles. Like we don't need to hurt other people. We don't need to swarm other people. Like like you said, like Walmart said, this keeps happening. Walmart's going to be like, it's not worth it. We're not carrying yeah. them anymore. And then exactly. where are you, Mr. Scalper? Yeah. You know, if you can't, if you do this, or if you are one of the people that steals them all the time, and then Walmart stops carrying them, period. Well, now you can't go to Walmart and buy any to flip. Yeah. And you try and go to a hobby store, they're going to limit you to one or two. So what are you going to do? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> find something else to, to flip. But. So it's a very interesting time for Pokemon. Uh, so what Logan Paul is going to do is he bought these six first edition base set booster boxes and he is going to do a box break on all of them uh, and he's auctioning them uh, off one at the time and auctioning off each pack one at the time on, on, at legitimate auction houses. This one, this first one's at Golden Auctions, starting off at $10,000 a pack, which would be $360,000 a box if they all only had one bid and sold for $10,000, which we all know they'll sell for more than that. So when you look at it from his decision, like I can't blame the man if he has the ability, this is going to be an awesome marketing strategy to get himself even more popular. And the reality is, is he'll probably double up on his money. If not more, imagine the first box is done. And there's, and then the second box sells him a little more then the third box sells him a little more and then the fourth yep. box sells him. This man's going to make some money doing something that he really enjoys doing. I, I mean, h- how many other people have the desire and the ability to go out and spend $2 million on Pokemon cards? Yeah. Right. Like I'm not mad at him for doing it at all. And to be honest, I'm personally, I'm one of those collectors. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see how crazy things get. Uh, I have some vintage sealed product and some vintage graded cards that I just have that like, you know, prices go crazy. I might sell some of them and fund some other things. That's part of collecting. It's part of having your collection be something that is a quote unquote asset that can be liquidated at any given time for whatever. So personally, uh, I'm excited to see how this goes. He's doing his first booster box break. I think it's February 27th, the fifth, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. Uh, and then, you know, he'll do them subsequently throughout the year. So it's definitely going to be interesting. And then we have the 25th anniversary of Pokemon this year, which will have all the sets and all the different promos and stuff coming out like that. Uh, and then we have Shining Fates that comes out in what, 10 days? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, lots of crazy stuff happening, uh, in the Pokemon world, uh, this year for sure. Real quick with Logan Paul's auction. Uh, I was looking at it. So the lowest bid right now is 13 grand and the highest is 20, 20. So there's already one sold for 20. Well, there's a current bid at 20. Yeah. So it's going to sell for that at least or more. And what, what also is interesting is he has only 12 through, 35 up well because it possible that the others already sold well no because their bids their auctions but i mean is it possible that he already put up auctions for the first half and they completed i don't know no 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 because the, the auction doesn't end till the 11th hmm. maybe so after I, the 11th he puts up the other half i don't know it's, it's interesting because it would it'd, it'd only be the first 11 packs yeah or maybe he's got a different plan for him or maybe yeah, he's keeping what, them. or you know? Maybe maybe he gave them he gave the people who bought in the first box dibs to buy. 
that's possible you know that's very possible hey you guys bought in this first box if you want dibs you know maybe he set them a price if you would like to go ahead and get in on this one or like he did with the first box he you know he sold it to a bunch of friends and people he knew he might have reached out to people who knew and said hey for this first box i'm setting aside 11 packs who wants to buy one for ten thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars whatever i'm only going to do it with this box you know and that they probably you know went immediately it's crazy that he's having collectibles guru there again is he really? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. There is no way after what happened with the dumb money and Leonhardt and all of that. There's no way. So crazy. That is a whole nother bag of worms, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there's so much more to cover on this topic. Like we definitely are are going to be doing a follow-up episode to this. Uh, just because Pokemon, even if you're not a fan of the Pokemon card game, uh, it's very interesting what's going on and very exciting to see some of the things that are happening. I have people who watch my Dr. Applesauce 2 YouTube channel that's all about Pokemon that don't even like Pokemon. <laughs> you just watch it because it's fun to watch the cards be opened and stuff like that. So we're definitely going to do a follow-up episode um, and you know dive a little more in depth about whatever's going on. Steve Aoki is doing a pack break on the whatnot app this week, I believe. So maybe next time we record, we'll have his, his, uh, his pack break will have been done. Uh, and we'll, you know, we'll see what's happened there. He's selling, you know, I think he's selling two booster packs for $2,200 or something like that. So exciting times, lots of really fun, interesting things that are, that are going on. Uh, and just a short and sweet episode for you guys today. So yeah, lots of crazy stuff going on, Mike. Yeah, we have so much to cover. We're definitely going to have to do a follow-up uh, to this one because there's there's still so much I want to talk about with Logan. There's so much I want to talk about with Steve Aoki's box and then just the future of what we what, what could potentially be happening with Pokemon. I mean, and collectibles in general. I mean, it, this, is, this isn't just impacting Pokemon. It's impacting everything. Yeah, so, so maybe we'll, uh, guys, maybe we'll set, we'll set aside a time to do a really a really longer episode uh episode to dive in deep with you guys but yeah we sure appreciate you guys if you uh, haven't already rate the podcast thank you so much you'll have yourselves a wonderful day like we always say find somebody you can love on and be kind to today you'll have a great day okay bye guys